Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined once again by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand of the Star Tribune for a little conference championship week. Hey, guys. Hey, Andrew. Here we go. We're going to talk Andrew, about that. Andrew's freshly shaved, by the way. You guys can't see it, but uh, this is a, <laughs> it's usually, uh, usually got some scruff going. This is a very yeah. Andrew Kramer. Between the beard and um, the fact that we are doing this podcast via Zoom and not wearing masks, this is the first time in a, quite a long time I've seen the bottom of his face. <laughs> this is usually a you guys got to enjoy it now because it's like a tim allen santa claus situation it's going to grow back i think in like a day or two it's just <laughs> like once you become santa it goes yeah. back is that what you're no, telling us? like the the where it automatically grows back in like a you know four seconds or whatever it just it doesn't last long like you know clean shaven so I'm okay Okay. It's follicle flex for those of us who can't grow a beard yeah my, this is like <laughs> eight, this is like eight days right here so there you go um Anyway, you guys threw me off. We're going to talk about the NFL's Final Four. We're going to talk about um, the Vikings' kind of um, influences throughout and what we kind of take away from seeing which teams made it, all about the quarterbacks and which kind of Minnesota slash Gophers slash Vikings connections there are to these teams. Um, We'll also get to some Vikings news. Um, Obviously, George Payton leaving in the last two weeks since we've done a podcast. Um, What's going to happen with the coordinator openings? Um, and also, obviously, with George Payton leaving, what's going to happen in the front office? Um, we'll talk about all that. We'll get to just kind of the, what the outlook for the NFL offseason is going to be right now, and then we will take your questions. Um, guys, I think we should start with the playoffs right now. I don't think it was any shock to see that it's Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. The Josh Allen guy still feels a little awkward that we're talking about him with those other year. But But he clearly belongs, right? Anyway, so I guess – can we overreact in saying that that's all it takes? You just got to get the quarterback figured out when we are a year removed from it's Ryan Tannehill and Jimmy Garoppolo also making the final four. Um, I guess, Ben, what did you think about the, the four that we got right now? Well, I mean, when you have Rodgers and Brady in the, the, the one title game and Patrick Mahomes and certainly Josh Allen, the numbers he put up in terms of, you know, both traditional and advanced statistics are, are right there with all those other guys. And, um, it, it's a strong endorsement, I think, of the fact that you need a difference-making quarterback to get there. I mean, last year was was unusual. I think if you look over the last eight to ten years, it is more it more leans toward you have to have one of these types of guys. I mean, last year may have been the exception that proves the rule in terms of how rarely that seems to happen. I mean, it's it's not that often that you have quarterbacks at that type of a threshold where it's you know, between eight and 12 in the league, call it that, that aren't in that very top tier that you see playing for a title. And ultimately when San Francisco had a chance to, to end the game last year, what happened? I mean, the chiefs had Patrick Mahomes and that went and made the difference. So um, the, the path by which the Vikings could get to a Super Bowl, though, is that one. It's the, we don't have to have, the top three, top four quarterback, we can put everything else in place around a guy that's probably in the top 12 in the league, but I don't, I don't think anybody, including Kirk Cousins would say that he's in the top four. So that's the path you have to take. And you have to, if you're the Vikings hope that that path is more viable than the other one, 
but unless you do what everybody that sent us questions suggests you do and trade for Deshaun Watson, maybe. But um, yeah, I, <laughs> I think him, more maybe. often than not, you need the the top end, no doubt about it, quarterback to get where you want to go. It's a little bit of an exaggeration to talk about things being surreal in 2021, but I don't think Vikings fans found themselves probably cheering for Tom Brady to stop Aaron Rodgers in a championship game. Um, I guess, no. what do you think about kind of the Vikings fan perspective while watching that NFC championship game? You know, I want to retreat one. I had one thought while Ben was talking too, and I'll get to that. Um, you either, I feel like you, what, what we've seen in the final four this year is kind of interesting with, you know, obviously Rodgers and Brady, two very well compensated hall of future hall of fame quarterbacks, like slam dunk, no doubt. On the other side, you've got Mahomes and Josh Allen, who uh, in addition to be rising, being rising stars, being Mahomes, obviously more than, more than Allen already at this point, having been an MVP and hopefully he gets on the field where we're hoping he's okay after what happened, you know, last week and Henny having to finish the game. Um, but you're either, you're looking at um, if you don't have that kind of elite, you know, quote unquote quarterback, um, the other alternative path is having a rookie who is, or a, a young quarterback who is not terribly expensive, who is playing at a high enough level that enables you to then um, spend on other things, kind of gives you that, you know, you know, emerging quarterback who's maybe already a top 10 quarterback, but maybe not a top five quarterback. I think Josh Allen maybe fits that mold right now, but is still uh, on that rookie, you know, rookie scale contract that, en that enables you to go out and trade for someone like a Stefan Diggs, enables you to build that defense uh, that they can help get you there and, and build those other pieces. So that's where I think the Vikings are particularly trapped right now is that they have neither of those paths available to them. They're paying, you know, top seven money for a top 12 quarterback. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a hard path to get to a Super Bowl. Not impossible. Like, like Ben points out, you know, Garoppolo was probably making about what cousins made last season or cap wise is pretty similar in San Francisco got there, but that, that makes it extra challenging. The other point uh, the, the Brady thing, yeah, I can't imagine anybody thought they'd be rooting for Tom Brady, but here we are. Uh, I think, you know, Vikings fans, uh, their two favorite teams tend to be the Vikings and whoever's playing the Packers and not necessarily in that order. Um, sometimes they, they take even more satisfaction from a, a Green Bay loss, particularly one that hurts um, like an NFC title game loss would hurt, uh, particularly a home game. You know, Green Bay has been in this position before. I mean, they it's been, you know, it's been a decade since Rodgers got them to that first Super Bowl. And I once he got them to that first one, I sure thought they probably would be back, you know, if not uh, at least one more time, multiple times, given how good he is and how good he's been. And they, you know, if we're talking about like the the pain, the postseason pain, like the Packers have kind of matched the Vikings in that regard over the last decade, not, not historically, not going back to, you know, 2009, not going back to 1998, but like they've, they've had their share of, uh, of, of that in, in the last, in the last decade. So, you know, we'll, I think the Packers are the better. I think they're going to get to the Super Bowl this year. I think they're just, they just look really good, but um, I think Vikings fans will, will take a keen interest in this game for sure. And root for Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly, I think when you look at the where they were 10 years ago and they win that Super Bowl with all those guys hurt and everybody thought, okay, they get all these guys back and they have this young core. I think they were 15 and one the next year. And then 
you know, they, were, they had a chance to go undefeated and then they host the Giants in that playoff game and get beat. And, mm-hmm. you know, you see, you had that and then you have, let's see, 14, 16, and last year, I guess, where they've lost conference title games, they, they blow the one in Seattle and then get their doors blown off twice by Atlanta and San Francisco. So, I mean, there's and there's been division losses, the, the Colin Kaepernick one, uh, the one where Rodgers hit the Hail Mary to send it to overtime, and then the, the shovel pass to Larry Fitzgerald against the Cardinals. I mean, they've, they've had a lot of moments where it's that type of gut punch. I mean, they've been in it a lot. So you end up in position to, to have more of those things happen, I guess, when you're, when you're in it as often as they've been in it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think if you're, if you're them, you have to feel like there's not going to be a better shot than this. And I suppose if you are the, taking the Vikings fan approach that is highly invested in schadenfreude this weekend. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Oh, yes. I'm, yeah. I'm a German that doesn't have great German uh, pronunciation of things, but if you're interested in that and you sit there and if they, if they blow this one, it's like, well, they had everything go right. Aaron Rodgers had a great year. They have his backup waiting in the wings. You can't imagine that's going to last forever. And if they blow this at home, it, I, it would sting, I think, quite a bit. So if you're, if you are a Vikings fan interested in that line of rooting interest this weekend, uh, the payoff is potentially fairly high. Yeah, not only that, the Vikings fans are rooting for a Packers loss. They're going to be rooting for Anton Winfield Jr., Tyler Johnson, um, those two former Gophers on the Buccaneers roster. I don't think there's any other Minnesota connections on Tampa Bay right now. Like Tyus uh, but- Jones being the Badgers. The, the Minnesotan that can help right. uh, save Minnesota fans from Wisconsin winning something. Um, and then on the Buffalo side, there's of course, Stefan Diggs and Les Frazier. So there's, there's plenty of mm. connections there. And, and Kansas city's <laughs> got Eric Bieniemy, former running backs coach for the Vikings with Adrian Peterson, who's uh, still he, somehow, is he, is he getting punished because his team's so good? He can't be available for interviews. Like why does he not have a job? That is the weirdest situation in the NFL to me anyway. I think that's a whole different podcast. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's a whole, there's many other lines around that one, but in terms of just, I don't know, it feels like teams are rushing to hire Dan Campbell and I'm like, all right, cool. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That, that one of all the hires of this cycle, I mean, that's the one that's like, okay. If you're looking to say that there's an issue here, which I, we have enough history. I think to suggest that there is, that's the one that I would sit there and think, mm, let's match these two resumes up. And, you know, and you hear a lot of people say, and I think there's some validity to this, let's hire the best candidates. Well, okay, let's hire the best candidates. And if you look at those two resumes, it would be hard to argue that Dan Campbell has a better resume to get to set himself as a head, up as a head coach than Eric Bieniemy. And, you know, Leslie Frazier's getting another chance to interview, but it yeah. took him eight years basically to kind of, and, and go coach a number of different places to get himself back in that rotation to, to have a shot. Um, Andre Patterson, a guy that has had a great run in Minnesota has never been able to get an interview. And I think you do see some of those things over time that you're saying um, there, there is something here that is not quite equitable. And uh, I, I think that particular issue in NFL hiring has played out again. 
And one question we should get to before we get to um, everybody's actual questions. I didn't see one regarding Antoine Winfield Jr., but I think it's worth revisiting. Um, a lot of people ask just in general, why didn't the Vikings go after him? Son of a former Viking, great, all those things. I think fans just like to align, obviously. You like to see that happen. It'd be a cool storyline. Um, but I guess to me anyway, there's a million reasons why it didn't happen, not just because Anthony Harris got the franchise tag, but Ben, I think we've heard this coaching staff and Mike, you've heard it plenty too from, just um, them saying it over the years, they don't really value the safety position a whole lot, certainly through the draft as much um, since Harrison Smith was taken way back in 2012. So I guess Ben and both you guys, I don't think it's too much of a shock to me anyway, that we're sitting here and that Antoine Winfield Jr. is in the playoffs. And of course it's not with the Vikings. Surprising to me. It just, I think for the reasons you outlined, they just don't really, they value Harrison Smith quite a bit, but they've, they've never really, they've, they've always, kind of piecemeal that other spot for whatever, whether it's schematic or just how they feel like they need to devote their money or, you know, if Zimmer says, no, I'd rather, you know, if you're going to invest resources, put them somewhere else on the defense. I don't need a second really good safety. It would have been interesting too, if he had been the head coach at the time, would they have traded back into the first round to take Harrison Smith? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I know he loves Harrison Smith and he's yeah. talked about having great safeties. I mean, Darren Woodson's the one that always comes up over the years, but would that have been a position that Zimmer would have made a move to go get in the first round like they did with Harrison Smith back in the days of um, trading back in the first round at the end of the, the night every year and trashing everybody's stories on deadline. Um, Fifth-year option, three, baby. Three get that fifth-year yep. option. Yep, Harrison Smith sprinting away from the podium to get Cordero, and then um, here's Eddie. your new franchise quarterback with pick number yeah. 32. So um, haven't had one of those since then, knock on wood, but, or whatever this is, it's from Ikea. I think it's wood, but yeah, who knows? Um, yeah, very possible. Um, but yeah, I, it would be interesting to know if he would have gone that way, but yeah, I mean, I think there was some thought about Antoine Field, but you know, th it also would have been interesting if that had happened because Antoine senior did not leave here on good terms and has not been on great terms with the organization ever since. And I think that from what I've heard, I mean, that, you know, Antoine jr. Was able to watch all that play out while he was in Minnesota. And I think that probably colored his impressions of the organization to some degree as well. So um, it would have been interesting if it had gone that way to see how all of that would have played out from a relationship perspective. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think just in general, before we turn to some questions here about um, Stefan Diggs, Les Frazier, some of the other connections here to Minnesota, I guess, Ben, do any of them in particular stand out to you? Well, to see Leslie Frazier, I think, have a defense to do what it did. I mean, to hold Lamar Jackson to a field goal before knocking him out of the game. I mean, it, it was an impressive showing and it's, it's kind of been, I guess, built up over the years that Frazier's failings as a head coach probably have colored how people think of him as a defensive mind. Cause that last defense was so bad here, but he was also the guy that put in the, the game plan for the NFC title game where they went down to New Orleans and, and shut the saints offense down for a lot of that game had a lot of very strong defenses here. So it was, I think a reminder of this guy knows how to coach defense and it's hard to know what, he would do in a second round as a head coach. But I think over the years, it's kind of been, well, he wasn't fiery enough. And that, that last team was awfully bad. It's like, you look back at what that last team had to work with in, in the secondary 
it was pretty rough. I mean, we had <laughs> Josh Robinson, Chris Cook, AJ Jefferson, uh, Xavier Rose was a rookie, but kind of being used as a, a cover two corner at that point. And that obviously was the scheme they played, but didn't have a lot to work with in that secondary. And it, the linebackers were, there weren't a lot of playmakers in there either. So um, it, it was, it's been interesting to kind of see his resurgence and kind of have him have another chance to prove himself. But I mean, Stefan Diggs probably is the, the big talking point because I think in a lot of ways you see what he was talking about when he wanted to get out of here. And, and he's been more frontal about that now has been gone on, more on the record and basically confirmed everything that we've reported at the time when people are telling us, no, he wants out of here for these reasons. But I don't know. I mean, I, I've heard the Jimmy Butler comparison a little bit. I think it's a hard one to argue with because his point was not this doesn't work. It's that this doesn't work for me and I don't think I'm a fit here. So I want to go somewhere that I am. And man, it's uh, when they, when they let him go do his thing and they turn him loose, it, it makes an awfully big difference. Yeah. Mike, what do you think? I said, by the way, the top line of Leslie Frazier's resume should be made the playoffs with Christian Ponder as my quarter. Mm -hmm. Um, I defy you to find, nobody else has done that, obviously, Uh, but that's, uh, that is an accomplishment in and of itself, even if Adrian Peterson did rush for 2,097 yards that year and played awfully well. Um, yeah, Diggs is interesting. It's he's been great in Buffalo. He, he's pretty much the, still the same player he was he was when he was here. It's it's more of a it's a hard one to really parse, just because. I mean, what was it? 2018 when the Vikings were throwing the ball all over the place and Filippo was, was here. Was he happy then? I, I, did this start to kind of unravel in 2019? Because he caught like 100 balls one year. and But he, the way he was used was maybe still a little bit different. I mean, it, it, I don't know. He was, even last year, it seemed like he was getting opportunities, but he, he probably could just see this was never going to be an offense that featured him the the maybe the way he wanted to even though it had you know invested 84 million dollars into a quarterback and had two really good wide receivers so it's I think the retrospective thing to say is did the Vikings not the Vikings make a mistake trading digs because you know I think it worked out probably just as well for everybody Justin Jefferson's really good too like one of the best rookie wide receivers like in the NFL in the last 25 years um, it would be a lot harder to swallow if that hadn't happened but did the Vikings make a mistake in not going this route when they had the two receivers and maybe the quarterback and you know Dalvin Cook you know give him the ball 25 percent less to kind of be a Buffalo kind of offense you know Kirk's not mobile like Josh Allen he's not going to do those types of things but could they have been a more dynamic offense in 2018 and 2019 and then really kind of blown this thing open. Yeah. Looking back at Stefan's comments, <clears throat> um, I think it was, when did he talk? Was it December or something like that? Or leading into the playoff? Thing, yeah. yeah. That was kind of the most honest he's been since the fact about it. However, he didn't, I think the most revealing part of what he said was about how Basically, that the organization was—he didn't want to say peeing on me, but telling me it was raining. <laughs> yes. But it was something like yeah. that. Yeah, it was a great. That point. was 
that was the most revealing thing that he said, because we had known that obviously through, through former teammates of his current teammates of his, when he was in Minnesota, anyway, um, we had known that he was unhappy going back into the summer. And this was after 2018, this was going into 2019. We had known that he wasn't totally pleased with the direction it was going. So then clearly what had happened was they had told him, don't worry, it's going to be fine. You're going to get whatever you want. Like you're going to be featured. It's going to be fine. Clearly he felt like he was being lied to about the direction it was going to go, even though his eyes, like we could all see at practices, like he could see as part of the offense, it was going in the other direction as it eventually did. And so I guess to me is, yeah, it's, it's the most revealing thing to me was that they kind of tried to quell the situation with him and eventually it just came to a head. And so I don't, I think they tried to live with him. I think they tried to make both work, be, have a run first offense and have two great wide receivers. And Mike, you're just saying, get, do away with the run first. Just, Hey, make him happy. Give him the ball. That's what you're saying. right? Yeah. I mean, not even just make him happy, but did they have the, I mean, they had the person, you can argue, I mean, Dalvin Cook's a really good running back. They had the personnel to be a, a, a run-first offense, but the payoff of having a really good passing offense is greater than the payoff of having a really good running offense. And they probably could have been more dynamic if they had given given into the possibility of being an explosive offense and, and winning some games, you know, that they got into the 30s a little bit more comfortably, like, kind of like they did in, in 2019, honestly. I mean, they... Didn't they beat Detroit like forty-two to thirty? Didn't they? Didn't they have some yep. games where, even when the even when the defense was still healthy and was still pretty good that year, the offense you could kind of see the shift where the offense was going to be maybe the the equal to the defense at least that year, and it could win some games. They they probably could have taken that even a step further, but that's not what Zimmer wants to do, and then that's that's his decision. Or ultimately, that you got to have the identity of your head coach. And he's, he's going to call the shots on what he's comfortable with, even if he has an offensive coordinator, um, you know, who's, who's going to design the plays. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hindsight question, but it's not surprising, given what we know about Zimmer, that what he was going to choose. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think they would agree with the theory that you are a better, more efficient offense if you throw to set up the run as opposed to running to, you know, establishing the run. I, I mean, analytics say that, yes. Yeah. I was going to say, they, Zimmer, but, they, but they profess to still enjoy analytics. I mean, what? Uh, the front office does. Mike Zimmer right. does not. Okay. Um, right. And right. I, I don't think, I, I think that's part of where the divide is. And I don't yeah. know. I mean, Rick Spielman still talks a lot about, we want to be a tough football team and we know what our yeah. identity is and all of this. I, I look at a, when Stefan Day signed that contract, I mean, you think about where we were, it was, new practice facility with his picture everywhere. Cause this was coming off the Minneapolis miracle. They have a new quarterback. They have an offensive coordinator that is basically saying, I want to throw the ball all over the place, which that's a boy, the stories we could tell about that matchup. Um, he makes that deal. And they're saying you're 25 years old. You're going to be our top paid receiver. We are planting a flag here. You look at everything that happens in the 10 months after that. So John Filippo goes away. Um, in in large part because Mike Zimmer didn't feel like they were running the ball enough. Kirk Cousins is not necessarily the missing piece that he was kind of purported to be. And you can't just come in and say everything's going to go great the way it did the year before. We had the quarterback and boom, we're over the top. You had that. You had, and I don't think this should be discounted, you had Adam Thielen also getting a bigger contract. Adam Thielen got his second deal uh, in April of 2019, if I recall, basically 
Thielen had signed this undermarket deal and then Diggs got paid and then Thielen got a deal that in some metrics put him over the top of Diggs, which I, I think Diggs looked at and, oh, okay, I don't know that I'm going to be the top guy because you have this guy from Minnesota that gets all of this attention and everybody loves because of his story and that he's one of us and all this stuff. You have that, you have a offensive coordinator and a scheme that is saying we want to run the ball and we're, we're going to throw deep off play action. Yes, but we want to run the ball and win that way. And then you have Dalvin cook kind of coming in and becoming the focal point of it in 2019. So all of those things, I think the facts changed an awful lot from the time that Stefan Diggs signed that contract to the time that he was saying, I want out of here. So, uh, you know, I, we've reported, I think that that spring spring of 19 was when he started saying, I want out. And, that was around the time that Thielen, in fact, I think Diggs maybe skipped his first OTA um, fairly shortly after that deal with Thielen got done. And obviously the offense was getting installed and all of that was happening at the time. So um, yeah, a lot of things changed from the time that he signs that deal to basically spend the rest of his prime here to when he's first started to say, mm, I don't know about this. I think he came back and said he had house problems or something he did. like that. Mm. Maybe that was metaphorical. Mm. <laughs> problems inside the house, internal problems. Um, all is all right. coming from inside the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Let's let's uh, take some Twitter questions and jump on Facebook Live. All right. Welcome back to the Access Vikings podcast. We are streaming live on Facebook, StarTribune.com. I'm Michael Rand, Andrew Kramer, Ben Gessling still here. Lots of good questions to get to on this. Vikings post post season doesn't sound right. Like it sounds like they're in the playoffs. This after the Vikings season and other teams playoffs uh, version of uh, of this uh, of this podcast. Um, Andrew, do you have one teed up right away, or do you want me to grab one? Yeah, I got a question here from an emailer. Eric asks he wants to know with the Vikings dragging their feet on filling the um, offensive coordinator opening, assuming there is going to be one with Gary Kubiak not officially retiring yet. Uh, he wonders, is it going to be a step down considering the fact that it sounds like they want to promote from within and therefore get a lesser version of what they already had? Um, what do you guys think in terms of if they are going to promote, is it necessarily a lesser version? It seems a pessimistic viewpoint and um, discounting who it might be, Ben, because you've talked about Clint Kubiak quite a bit. Yeah, from I did a little bit of checking around on this this week and, and have been throughout the month. It, it certainly sounds from what I've heard that it's going to be Clint Kubiak if, in fact, Gary Kubiak does step down, which is still widely expected. I think Mike Zimmer has been trying to talk with Gary about, hey, can we get you to come back? And if not, I think there's a possibility of some other type of role. And he, even if he's not in the organization, the fact that he would be the offensive coordinator's dad, obviously he's going to be something of a a, a voice in how things go. I, I don't know that it's lesser necessarily. And, and I say that for this reason, the reason Gary Kubiak is in Minnesota at all is because of Clint Kubiak and his relationship with Kevin Stefanski. They became very close when Clint was here uh, as a, a lower level assistant coach during the, uh, I think still during the Leslie Frazier era, if I if I recall. I mean, he was kind of a gopher for Kevin Stefanski in a lot of ways, who I think was the assistant quarterbacks coach at the time. And they became very impressed with one another, the way they go about things. They have a lot of similar backgrounds. They're both kids of 
either high-level coaches or executives. Kevin's dad, of course, is the has been the GM of the Detroit Pistons and was with the 76ers and has been an executive in the NBA world. They, they grew up at both, I think, at Catholic high schools. They both were defensive backs. They really clicked fairly early. And I remember talking to Kevin uh, before the 2019 season about the Kubiaks, and he really said, this started because of my relationship with Clint and how impressed I was with him and how similarly we see things. So I, I think in some ways, and certainly I think Kevin Stefanski thinks this, that if you liked me, you might like Clint Kubiak just as much. And there's certainly still some growing he probably has to do there, but I think you'd get a guy that would have a lot of the same traits. Now, my big question with it is, we were talking about this a little bit off air. They have not had well the only year they've had where there has not been another former head coach on the staff with Mike Zimmer is 2018 after Tony Sperano passed away either that has been North Turner Pat Shermer Tony Sperano Gary Kubiak Don Capers last year 2018 they didn't have that and we've said it many times and we've heard people tell us this that that bridge between young play caller and Mike Zimmer, the fact that that was not there was a major reason that relationship went south. And I, I think it probably would be a different story with Clint Kupiak because he's internal and, and the scheme, everybody kind of buys into the same things. But I do wonder if they would go out and try to find somebody that could play that type of a role that is a former head coach that is kind of a contemporary of Mike Zimmer's that could be that bridge, so to speak. But yeah, I, I don't know that it would be a lesser thing necessarily. From what I hear that I think is, is going to go that way, I think they like him enough that I think they'll probably try to move forward and keep things as similar as they have been able to in the past. I guess, have you heard anything in the way of whether Gary would stay on in any kind of a role? I haven't heard that concretely, I guess. I think there's some thought that he could. Um, I think that sort of depends on the commitment. I, I think a lot of this boils down to you know, the, the hours from what he was doing before to being the offensive coordinator go up quite a bit. And I think there's probably a little bit of him trying to figure that out. But I mean, even if it's informal, the fact that it's his son calling plays and a lot of his longtime colleagues and friends still on that staff, whether it's Rick Dennison, Brian Periani, even Phil Rauscher, the assistant offensive line coach, is a longtime uh, Gary Kubiak assistant and associate. So the fact that all of those relationships are still there, I, I think he would probably be involved. I, I just, I think some of that is what they're trying to figure out in terms of what that would look like and, and really what he wants to put on his plate. Cause I, you know, he's talked about health issues. He certainly had them pretty notably uh, when he was with, with the Texans, I think had, uh, I think a, collapsed during a game if I recall and then a step down from the Broncos because of those things so I think some of it is trying to figure that out yeah Mike going back to the original question I guess what do you think about the thought process of kind of going keep going with that what they're what they've got internally promoting from within um twins way Vikings way just kind of that that kind of way of of not necessarily bringing somebody outside in and is that a potentially lesser version I, I guess you could see it that way. It's a, I guess a lesser version. It makes a lot of assumptions. It's a less proven um, version, I guess. We, we don't know what Clint, if it's Clint Kubiak, we don't know what kind of plays he would call. We don't know exactly what his, what kind of stamp he would want to put on the offense or, or how he would, you know, 
run things in game and, you know, kind of those kind of crucial decisions where you need to play, you need to kind of know the flow of the game. Um, I think there's be some learning for sure in, in those scenarios. Um, so I like Ben's kind of thought about, is there like a bridge and more of a mentor? If it's not Gary Kubiak, is there someone else that is kind of in the building in the headset or in the, in his ear, just kind of helping guide through those situations. But, you know, I, I think there's, I think there's something to be said for, continuity in this situation for a couple of reasons that we've talked about one they had a pretty good offense last year um you know if you look at a lot of different metrics uh, like football football outsiders like they were eighth in offensive dvoa this year i mean they were the only team in the top 12 offensive dvoa that didn't make the playoffs this year their offense was plenty good uh to, to be a playoff team it was the other it was the defense and in particular the special teams that kind of collapsed this year Offense wasn't the problem this year. So if you're trying to establish some continuity and you're saying, we want to keep doing the things we were doing last year, carry them into 2021. I think there's a reason you want to do that. Um, and the other thing is, you know, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings separately are going to be having, you know, if, if Gary Kubiak doesn't come back, this is going to be each of their sixth different coordinator in six years um, to take any of the edge off of that. Um, you might want as much continuity as possible and probably the, the the, the only way I don't think you could get any more, I don't think you get any closer to continuity without it being actually Gary Kubiak, than it would be to promote the quarterbacks coach who is his son to the role. Um, so I, I think there's a couple of reasons that, that that's does it wouldn't be a step back in that way. The fact that Zimmer said in his, his postseason press conference, he said to me, your offense should be what your quarterback does best. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought that was very telling. And if you're going to make a promotion or re- replace your current offensive coordinator, the having the voice and Kirk has talked about this a lot, but the idea of a different voice in my headset every year, this would be somebody that has, you've heard from a lot that, you know, fairly well. I mean, Kevin Stefanski made that same uh, jump from quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator for a lot of the same reasons, I think. So, I think that would have Kirk's blessing. Um, I, I, I just, it, it feels like they like what they're doing enough that that is going to be the way they go. And certainly if people I've talked to this week, that sounds very much like the way they're planning to go. And, and also, I don't, I think there are forces working from the outside against them in terms of if they were to open they this done job. Um, well, they would have done it by now. You're totally right. But also, is it that attractive of a job? Now, I understand the talent you've got. It's super attractive if you're talking about Dalvin Cook, um, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, of course, um, Irv Smith, all that. But you're talking about a staff that if it has another bad year, what are you looking at? And I understand that 20 front offices are thinking the same thing about blowing out their coaching staff after a bad year or two. But um, is this going to be a spot where maybe like a veteran coach wants to land like would like an Anthony Lynn want to go through just as an example, some kind of rehabilitation process for his image in a spot like Minnesota, where in a year, if things go South with that defense, again, it could be not your fault at all. And you could be looking for another job because let's say Mike Zimmer gets ousted because it's four and 12 and, and uh, the Wilson had had enough at that point, who knows, you just don't know what's going to happen. So I think the fact that it's not this like, yeah, you got a young quarterback. Yeah, you got a long-term vision. Yeah, you got this or that. No, it's kind of like come in and win now. Like we need you to do everything right, like right now. And I think it's much better suited to bring up a young guy like a Clint. Like you, that's a great point. That Stefanski made this same jump, and it's unfair to sit there and say, "Well, 
now it's a lesser version because at one point Stefanski was totally unproven and then he got the Browns to a playoff win somehow. So, I mean, these guys can figure out what they're doing kind of along the way. And uh, I think I'm very interested to see what, what happens if, and when Clint gets that job and kind of what role Gary has, what kind of mentor they bring on for him, as you guys have talked about um, and, and kind of how that, that staff takes shape. And then we're not even talking about the special teams coach job yet, which uh, could be the real punching bag for, for the uh, Vikings in 2021. Which, which is a good opportunity to be free to mention that actually Mike Prefer got the Browns there for like, oh, sorry, yeah. that's Kevin, true. Kevin Stefanski came back uh, <laughs> and got them close against Kansas City before joking uh, and punting with four minutes left. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, all right, well, let's, let's go to another question here. We got one. This is a fun one. We'll just throw it out there. Um, uh, somebody asks, any chance the Vikings would trade Kirk Cousins and draft picks for Deshaun Watson? Mike, is it going to happen? Is there a chance? No, Tell me if it's I don't think so. Like, how would – Copyright Derek Whitmore. It, it, uh, non-zero chance. It, it, why would the Texans want to do that, first of all? <laughs> I, you know, the only – the only way this makes any sense, and I don't think it still doesn't make any much sense at all, is two different trades. You'd have to trade Cousins to San Francisco, or you know somebody that actually wanted him. Then um, you got he's on the he's on your books for twenty million dollars this year because you have to pay the, the signing bonus yeah. portion of the cap hit. Yeah. Sean Watson's cap number next year is not that big. It's surprisingly small. Like, like 14 million, isn't it? Yeah, and five of that signing bonus that, that Houston would have to be on the hook for. So you would mm-hmm. if you could somehow finesse it so that you traded Kirk Cousins and got Deshaun Watson back, the money, the cap would be about the same for 2021. So that's the only way I can see it happening. Uh but do not email us. This but man why, is crazy. But 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 why here's the thing. Don't why blow would, up our Twitter feeds. Don't why would us San, about how this is gonna happen. If San Francisco's gonna trade for a quarterback, why are they not Michael.rand at startribune.com? Why is San Francisco not just cutting out the middleman and trading for Deshaun Watson <laughs> in that scenario? So that's no, I don't think it's gonna happen. I think I think it's as much of a, as we like to have this fantasy that the, and I don't even know, I don't even know why it's such a fantasy. I think, you know, I get it. Like we talked about it. It's going to be the way the NFL is structured right now. It's going to be hard for the Vikings to win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins, unless he has some kind of career year or takes a step that he hasn't taken yet. And it's, it's been a lot of years, so we shouldn't expect that he is a top 10 or 12 quarterback. Um, he's, he's played pretty well the last two years um, but you know, you, you don't generally win a Super Bowl with a quarterback like that if he's at this stage of his career. So I get the, you know, I've written about it so many times. Like I get why there's this idea of like, well, could they trade him? Well, you're probably not gonna wind up in a better like situation, at least not right away, with with a brand new quarterback. So I the Deshaun Watson thing's kind of a fancy. What would they even what would they even trade for Deshaun Watson? I don't even know. He's, like well, there's, I, there's five to 10 other teams that have a much more realistic path to trade for Deshaun Watson. If Houston is dumb enough to even do that. So you, your package would probably have to be the first round pick. I would assume yeah. Daniel Hunter may have to be part of mm, that. He's from okay. this Houston area. So that's probably oh. where that's up, but now you're, now you're doing this thing. I, I don't think this is going to happen. Okay. I, I think even that you're looking at, okay, we have a, a defensive end. I mean, it's still a great pass rusher when he's healthy, mm-hmm. uh, which I think everybody feels like he's going to be, but yeah. you still have to prove that. And you're, there's going to be a lot of teams that can come in with a pick higher than number 14 
Mm-hmm. And with Daniel Hunter, you also have to figure out a contract. So it would be, I don't, I don't see why the Texans would be interested in Kirk Cousins necessarily. Just they're not at a point where even if you felt like he'd either have to be the best quarterback in the league or five years younger, probably to sit there and say, yeah, we want to go down that road. I, like you're saying, I think the, the scenario would be you play on Kyle Shanahan's love of Kirk Cousins and perhaps his belief that if I have him and I have the play calling that I've put in place that has been very good and a defense that can be healthier, maybe we could win with him. And But what are you going to get back? I, I think you're, you're probably not going to get a first-round pick back that you could then deal. So the number of things you would have to get to work with the cap constraints that there are and with just the, the fact that you don't have a second-round pick because of that Ngakwe trade, you don't have probably a, a ton of pieces that are terribly attractive to people, and you have a front office that still needs to win right now, um, it, it would be an awfully tough maneuvering act to make that happen. Yeah, I just I don't think the Vikings are anywhere near, like you both pointed out, the top of the pecking order for what you can offer. Oh. If, if you're Houston and you're looking at moving this generational franchise-altering piece – um, I think, I mean, it'd be amazing if they did it for Miami because Miami would basically be sending back Houston's own pick, which is, it would be phenomenal just in terms of optics and how terribly run Houston is as an organization. We do know how those GMs love to get their own picks back sometimes. That's, that's, that's <laughs> we saw it with like pick 223 or 229 or whatever it was in the Cordero trade. That's Rick right. Got that one back. <laughs> oh, wow. That is right. Yeah. I, anyway, it's, I, I'll just say this. Bill O'Brien is no longer there to give away pieces, so he's probably not going to give away to Sean Watson to the Minnesota Vikings. So I, I will uh, say the, the one thing that surprised me was that the money actually doesn't like I just I didn't know that Deshaun Watson wasn't that expensive next year and could therefore that that was at least a that financially it wasn't like, well, they're gonna be at 80 million dollars over the cap, and maybe they could do this. Like it it's it it, it that piece of it at least surprised me that it's not unheard of to think about it from a cap standpoint all right we got any more questions what else should we do here what do we got? yeah i've got one here um aaron dm'd me this uh he said if you could guarantee one position would be a jefferson-esque draft pick success which one makes the biggest impact not necessarily biggest need but biggest home run and no qb is not allowed as an answer yeah e- easy it's it's left tackle right yeah and I wouldn't even say guard because I know the Vikings don't have any guards right now. Um, I still wouldn't say guard because I think that fr- that franchise left tackle is that much more important. And then just throw Riley Reef at left guard because it can't be worse. It cannot be worse than what you've got going on between Dakota Dozier um, and just the 16. I think I counted up during the middle of last year. It was like 16 guards had started or no, had appeared in regular season games for them going back to 2015 which was the last time they had two guys play basically every game at, at both spots. Um, 16 guys that included the Zach Karens of the world. You know, some of the nicest guys, but awful football players of the world in there. And it was just, it's rough. I understand that, but if they could finally solidify left tackle and not be worried about a veteran year after year, and then having to pinch his wallet so you can pay some pass rusher to get in here. Like they did last year. If you can just solidify that spot and you've got Brian O'Neill, and a, a franchise left tackle right there. Maybe you got him in Ezra Cleveland, and you've just been messing around so much that you don't know it at this point. But if they could do that, I think that's my answer. It's, it's got to be left tackle. 
Yeah. I mean, think about it. If they, if, if Riley Reef was a pretty good guard and you added a franchise left tackle who came in and stepped in and played like Tristan Wirfs did right away this year, yeah. that's all the line. That's all of a sudden a much better offensive line. Like you put Ezra Cleveland at guard who performed fine, I think, there. You got O'Neill and rookie X on the other side. You've got, you know, and then all you got to figure out is, is, is Garrett Bradbury your guy? And I think he at least made some strides last year. But you've at, got, you've at least got it, – it elevates two or three positions to figure out one position. So I agree with you. Well, I mean, I think you watched that playoff game with the Packers last weekend too. It's like, man, when you have a good line, and I know Aaron Donald was hurt, but Packers were playing without their left tackle and still had enough quality pieces to keep it so that Aaron Rodgers really wasn't touched. When you have a quarterback that can sit back there and not have to be a sort of a bailing out of his thought process of his reads because there's pressure coming and having to play off schedule – um, especially when you have a quarterback that is a lot better when he doesn't have to do that. Yeah, I, I would agree with you guys that I think left tackle would be the place to do it. You know, you could say pass rusher too if you get another guy that's opposite Daniel Hunter. Um, but man, that the the assuming that Hunter comes back and assuming that the not so veiled contract threats are not going to be a, a huge issue. Yeah, if they could find a left tackle. Yeah, that would be uh, that'd be a pretty big home run. And I think on most teams, the answer to this question is probably pass rusher or corner. You know, because those are probably yeah. <clears throat> those might be the harder ones to find. It just seems like they the need Vikings. Them all. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, it's just when, when you're talking about the Vikings, I think we take into context their history of just not having answers long term mm. at those offensive yeah. line spots. Yep. Yep. And so, yeah, I think it's that's definitely got to be that. Um, if quarterback was the answer. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence mm. slipped to 14. <laughs> sure. But you know. got a leak of Trevor Lawrence bong mask video. Get him down to 14. Here's our headline for this podcast. Why did the Deshaun Watson trade or Peyton Trevor Lawrence aren't as crazy as you think? <laughs> Click here. I surprise you. Um, I got one here. It's kind of a combo platter. Zach Warren wants to know if the Vikings would be interested in Geno Atkins if the Bengals cut him. Josh wants to know if the Vikings would be interested in Nick Easton. If the Saints cut him, I could always I could I could see either just in terms yeah. of the connections because um, they always like to go with their more familiar guys and give those guys money. I have not followed either though recently, so they would have to go based on the evaluations of how they've played. Have either played well recently? I have no idea. I, when I saw this when I saw this question, I checked out the the PFF grade on Easton. It was above Dakota Dozier. <laughs> but um <laughs> but below Ezra Cleveland it was like it was not great it was like in the 60 65 range so it was like a it was passable guard play but not anything special so that sounds like a possibility in other words i mean i think yeah i mean yeah it's yeah well and wasn't um the injury that nick had when he left here wasn't it something like yeah. spinal fusion or something yeah wasn't it was it? his neck um, so yeah, of course they would know the medicals on him better than anybody. So I guess if they decided to, then that must mean that's all right. And maybe he's just a mediocre guard or center at this point, but his grade, um, was, sim- his grade was similar to Garrett Bradbury. That's how it was this ballpark. So, that's okay. Um, and Gino Atkins, Gino Atkins right now is, I believe 32, is 32 years old. He's not too old. 
Um, I could see that. They need depth there. And uh, Jaleel Johnson's a free agent. Um, I can't yep. imagine he's going to be finding his way back here. Um, Shamar Stephens, the guy that we've talked about that could cut if they look for cap room. And so if they can get somebody like, yeah, Geno Atkins under contract for less somehow or as much, I don't see why they wouldn't try to at least look at that. We do know that they're going to, of course, make this position somewhat of a priority, um, however much they can, I guess, because there's like 14 priorities right now on defense. But um, I don't know what, at what point the statute of limitations runs out on the efficacy of former Bengals under Mike Zimmer, but this may be the last good opportunity to do it. I mean – it's Since he last first, coached him in like 2013. So it's yeah, like, it's getting to be an awfully long time, but I think they were awfully fond of, of him and and uh, what he brought to that defense. So, yeah, if you think he can still play, I think it's a possibility, I guess. it's It certainly would seem like this is a place where it would be an obvious fit. I do think, too, we're going to end up seeing, because we had another question from Vikes fan, uh, wants to know, just in general, do we think there are going to be more free agents added this offseason on offense or defense? Um, I would venture to guess that it's going to be on defense, not only because that's where most of the free agents are for the Vikings when we're talking about Anthony Harris, Eric Wilson, uh, Jaleel Johnson, guys like that. Um, they just need depth there, right? I mean, they're just so young right now on that side of the ball. And you're probably going to have a lot of veterans get squeezed because of the smaller cap too. I, I think you're going to see a lot of the mid-level type guys probably get cut and then have a hard time getting a big deal in free agency because of that. And we've seen that happen the last few years anyway, where the, the middle class really gets crunched in free agency. I, I think certainly there's the potential for that to happen again. The, the top level guys such that they hit free agency at all will probably still do fairly well, but I think where you're really going to see it is some of these five, six, seven million dollar a year veterans that have to sign for two or three that don't get the same kinds of deals that they've gotten in the past. So some of those guys may be a little more affordable than you think they would otherwise be. So there could be some opportunities to add on defense there. Um, I got a question here from Ryan wants to know about George Payton. He said he's finally gone. Uh, why Denver? Which I guess is a legitimate question um, because he had interviewed for how many spots been in the past like five years? Uh, it's been longer than five years. It's, he'd interviewed, I think even dating back to like 2012, with the Rams. Mm. I, I mean, it's been, I total it all up. I, I The fact that I'm not able to remember, I, it's at least five, five or six. Cause there was, there was a Jets flirtation. There was a well. He almost got the 49ers job when John Lynch got it. Um, the Browns. He was in the running there. Um, there may have been a couple with the Rams. I think there was a Dolphins one in there. Um, yeah, it's been it's been on quite a few for the last seven eight years. So why this one? Um, I you know I think you probably figure. Well, I mean, number one, I guess his nephew is is a scout there. So he has that connection. I, I think probably respect for that organization. I'm sure the fact that there are so many ex-Broncos in the building uh, that are associates with John Elway probably helped build some of that connection with John Elway. Um, you have a chance to probably go get a quarterback for a boss that knows the value of a quarterback and hasn't been able to get one. I mean, hasn't done really a, fair, a terribly good job of finding one other than throwing cash at Peyton Manning. Um, they, I mean, they have not been able to find the replacement for John Elway other than that, really, since he retired. So 
Um, I, I guess I think it's those things. There would also be the theory that if the Vikings have a bad year, then your chance to use whatever success you've had here as a springboard may go away. So, and that made it, that might've factored into some of the thinking as well, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I would say it's the best situation he's had just stacking it all up, but you know, some of that's probably just about the fit organizationally too, that might've attracted him to it. I, I think on that front, it's a fairly good opportunity. Well, because he had a couple chances. I think he interviewed twice, at least right with Cleveland last year. Yep. Right? Yep. Yep. And I think some of the reporting around that, I can't remember um, how much of it came out um, from what you were reporting and, and elsewhere, but I thought it had to do some of it with like, he didn't want to move to Cleveland and like some of it had to yeah. do with just kind of the area as well. And of course, Cleveland, the franchise, the stability is not always there. So yeah. um, I do wonder how much of a promise he got in Denver with, the stability and the chance that he might be given in terms of a runway to try and get something off the ground. But they might um, be changing owners too. I mean, that's the, I think that was part of the reason he got a six year deal was to be able to outlast a possible ownership change. So that carries some risk. I mean, I, I remember when I was talking to uh, Mark Shapiro, the, the blue Jays president for a story I did on Andrew Miller last month, he talked about telling Andrew Miller, you need to make sure that the ownership fit is good because you cannot do anything in these jobs if you don't get along well with ownership. So that needs to be the biggest thing you figure out. So I, I would assume that Peyton went out there with similar counsel and probably needed to get some security. So, I mean, that's kind of the risk of it, but yeah, I mean, you know, Denver's a pretty desirable place to live. And I think it makes some sense. It's close. I mean, he's from the West coast, it's a little closer to home. So it's, did Spielman say they're not going to replace did I did I catch that or they're considering not replacing him? He said they're going to go status quo for now, okay. um, which in it's not really a question at the moment because a lot of this stuff won't change until after the draft. I mean, basically yeah. these front offices, nobody is. I mean, he talked about George as a a man of integrity, so I mean, some of that is don't poach our front office while we're getting ready for the draft. And I, I think you know, asking around about this a little bit this week, Peyton, I think is going to take some time with the Broncos to figure out how many of these scouts and in front office people do I want to keep. And you probably go through this draft kind of doing some assessment of those guys. And then you figure out after that, potentially who you want to take from Minnesota to go with you. I mean, Jamal Stevenson's name has been tossed around. I don't think that would happen until probably May if it happens, just because everybody's getting ready for the draft and it's, it's seen as kind of dirty pool probably to be taking from somebody's front office when they're trying to get ready to pick in the draft. So um, I don't think that's going to be an issue in the, for the time being. It's possible that some of those things could come up later this spring. All right, guys, we got any more questions? I think that's it. I feel, I feel good. I feel like we, second biggest statement. Uh, he wanted us to role play. I don't know if we can. Role yeah. Play. You want to do that one? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it can't be too long of a homework assignment. I mean, this has turned from a statement into like a, uh, this feels like it was a cameo. Tweet, wasn't it? It was like a, like a two-act no, play. No, like this, feels like a cam- this feels like a cameo request. Can you can you do something for me here? Like, you got you to gotta pay for our cameos. I mean, when it starts with, I'd like you guys to do some role-playing, it's like, it's probably a, <laughs> take, a, take a, a pass on that uh, curveball in the dirt. Venmo would be a hundred bucks. So 
Yeah, right. <laughs> they won't talk. <laughs> right. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on Facebook Live on the Access Vikings podcast. And that'll be it for now. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Maybe you should get off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>